Testing, testing. Okay. Yep. Jim, what's up, man? Mike, how are you? Good to hear from you. Likewise, man. I'm having a great day. It's uh, it's Friday. I've had a really productive work week, and I have been enjoying the hell out of COVID weekends. There's something <laughs> about having absolutely nothing on the calendar, having no commitments and no decisions to make that is just so freeing. So I'm, I'm having a great day, man. How about you? I'm having a great day too. I mean, it's funny you say that because life has changed so much and, you know, having, um, my wife and I, we have three boys, so we're always running around there in every sport and activity you can imagine. So to have these last two months where it would normally be the spring season for lacrosse and, you know, karate and baseball and whatever, every weekend is just, we have to do something together and we can't leave the house is, is it's awesome. And it's just so different, but I've really been enjoying it like yourself. Just it, it's unusual mm-hmm, for sure, ma'am. <laughs> so you have a really interesting story and I want to dive into, I want to dive deeply into what you're up to in life, but let's give a, give people a little bit of your background. So who are you? Where are you from? Who do you live with? What do you do for a living? That kind of stuff. Cool. Uh, my name is Jim Shields and I am a 41 year old high school teacher from Chalfont, Pennsylvania, which is just outside of Philadelphia. Um, I live with my wife, Jennifer Shields. She is a nurse anesthetist, so she puts people to sleep for a living. Hmm. And we have two dogs and three boys that we um, adopted almost four years ago. And um, yeah, so that's, that's our situation here. And we're in these crazy times right now, but we're, we're really enjoying our time together and um, doing all kinds of fun stuff. So in a bit, I want to talk about your experience in the last few months. But before that, um, some really interesting things have happened in your life over the past five plus years. Uh, first, you were selected to be on the TV show Alone. So explain to listeners what that TV show is and how that all came about. Yeah. Um, so here's the story. I was um, – so I – my high school, I'll get into it real quick. The high school that I teach at, I teach a, um, a wilderness survival class. So that's something I've done for a long time and been into that. Um, anyway, I came home one day and my wife was watching this show and she said, oh, you would love this show. It's so cool. And she, she knows that I never watched any survival show from Dual Survivor to Survivor Man to Survive, whatever it is. I never watched any of them. And I was like, ah, I'll pass. So the next day, um, I was like, all right, I'll watch an episode with you. And then the next thing you know, I was totally hooked on the show and we both watched it. And a couple you know, days into it, she's like, you should totally apply to be on the show. And I'm like, that's, you know, one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, why would I do that? I mean, come on. And I remember that night she went to bed and it was in the summer and, you know, teachers don't have a whole lot to do during the summer. I stay up late. So I stayed up late and I applied to be on the show. This was in June or July. And um, that was it. <laughs> I never said anything about it and you know, never told her that I did that. So fast forward about six months or so. Can I pause was, you real quick, Jim? Absolutely. Can, can you give a brief uh, explanation about what this TV show is? Absolutely. 
Yeah, so um, this show uh, alone, which is a, you know, a show that we've started watching on the History Channel, the idea is that you do not have any camera crew with you. You get dropped off into a remote area somewhere in the world, and when they drop you off, you have to survive 100% on your own. No camera crew, no assistance, no help. Um, people will say, well, who videotapes you? Who records you? Well, you do all of that. So you bring the cameras that they give you and you set them up and you have to record yourself doing anything and everything all the time. So crazy. And, yeah, it is crazy. And the whole idea is um, there's 10 people selected and they drop them off, spread out by about five to 10 miles a piece. So you don't ever have any communication or anything like that with anyone. And whoever stays the longest wins a half a million dollars at the time. Although I have have heard on the recent um, season, the newest season, I think it's a million dollars. But anyway, at the time when I did it, whoever stayed the longest won a half a million dollars. So there's that little um, thing that's hanging out there as well. Um, incentive, I guess you would say, to win. Got it. So, yeah. So anyway, um, fast forward a few months, and I think it was in January. Um <clears throat> I guess, I guess even a few months before that, my wife and I were um, considering having, um, you know, considering adopting a kid or, you know, a child or maybe even two. So, you know, we had some trouble having our own kids and it didn't work out for a couple of years. And, you know, we went through a lot of different things, IVF and all that stuff and it didn't work out. But either way, we, we kind of said all along, regardless of what happens, we wanted to adopt. So we're deep into this process of adopting kids. We found a match, and it wasn't one kid. It wasn't even two. It was three. And we decided to sort of go forward in that whole um, convoluted process that is um, – it's that's a whole other story. But anyway, we're kind of – we dive into that process. These kids were in foster care, and you know, it's going to take a couple of months. And just when we decide that we're definitely going to – um, foster them first and then adopt them, I get this email from the Alone Show on the History Channel. And they said, hey, Jim, we really, uh, we just got to take a look at your videos and your resume. We really like you. We want to, you know, we'd love to chat. I remember just, you know, just about, I was driving in my car, I pulled over and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is crazy. Wow. So it goes, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just a crazy moment. So at the time I didn't realize I was one of something like 300 people that got that email. Whereas I thought I was already chosen. Um, so anyway, one thing led to another and, you know, I, I had to go out and um, they said, well, we need more footage. We need you to go out for a couple of days on your own and film stuff and send it to us. So I did that, you know, built traps, showed, showed my skills, did different things. And then I, I heard back from them in a couple of weeks and like, oh, we loved it. We want you to talk to the producers and do a Skype, just, you know so they can get to know you and see what's going on. So I did that. And at that point, uh, had you told your wife? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I told her as soon as, as soon as I heard back from them and she was like, well, I didn't even know you apply. I was like, well, there's, you know, that was six months ago. Um, so yeah, so we started going to this whole thing and next thing you know, I get this call and they're like, um, after a couple more interviews, phone interviews, Skype interviews, they're like, Jim, we want to invite you to boot camp, which is, um, and, and again, I thought I was selected for the show, but I wasn't. Um, they take the top 20 people from around the world 
and basically you spend a week um, proving your skills and going through testing. And out of 20 people that they select, they choose 10 that are going to go on um, to the show. Now, here's the thing. I was working full time as a teacher and teachers don't get, you know, we get three days off a year, (laughs) personal days, you know, outside of the summer. And this was not being filmed in the summer. It was being filmed in April. Well, you know, the end of April or beginning of May. And, you know, so it just kind of, it was pretty wild. So we show up and go to this thing, this boot camp thing. It was up in upstate New York. And I arrived there and had no idea what I was going to be encounter, what I was going to encounter up there. But there were these survival experts from all around the world. And I just saw them and they were wearing like, you know, raccoon skin hats and i'm like oh man i'm out of place here like i like survival and it's been something that i've been into i've always been into the outdoors rock climbing mountaineering but maybe not like these people (laughs) so it was very intimidating and it was such a weird week to spend there because everyone was kind of like friends but also everyone was like fighting for a chance to be on national tv and a chance to win a half a million dollars so it was one of the weirdest dynamics i've ever been part of okay so then what happened that's wild it is wild so then you know so then what happened so they took us out and they had these two british special forces survival experts that sent us out into the um you know into the woods and they would give us these challenges they would say something like all right guys um and it was you know it was a cold rainy um, spot that we were at out in the middle of the woods and they said, all right, um, go make friction fire and you have three hours ready, set, go. So then you go out and, you know, friction fire, if you, if you don't know, is basically the whole caveman thing where you rub two sticks together mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, a bow drill fire, which you may, you may have seen where you, you know, you rub a stick on a spindle and on a, on a bow basically. And, um, you try to make fire. So you have these 20 people running around the woods trying to be the first person to start a fire with a bow drill in the rain. And um, it was crazy. And, you know, they had us they had us make our own shelters. And at one point they said, "Okay, get a fire going. And everybody is like at this one fire pit trying to prove that they know how to start a fire. And it was it was this weird sort of dynamic where you're like, you know, They know that we can already start fires or we wouldn't be here. Um, So, you know, I just kind of took a breath and relaxed. And I was like, look, I can't get caught up in all this showing off and showing that I'm the best. Like, I am who I am. Um, I know some stuff. (laughs) I'm just going to be myself kind of thing. And, you know, we kept going forward and forward. And next thing you know, they showed up with (laughs) – they showed up with a – some guy showed up with a, a truck full of these rabbits and they're like, I was like, what the hell are we going to do with those things? And we had to kill them and prove that we knew how to, you know, that we weren't afraid to kill a rabbit and that we weren't afraid, you know, that we knew how to skin it. Mm-hmm. And basically we were going to be able to sustain ourselves um, if we were chosen for the show. So, you know, for me not being an avid hunter and trapper, I was like, Oh man, I don't really, this isn't my thing. And you know, um, but it is what it is and I knew how to do it. So I did it. And, um, that was just a wild scene because some of the people there had never done that. And, um, you know, it, there was some like screaming and some people didn't exactly, um, 
do it right the first time. Oh man. Without getting into the details of all that, it was like, what the heck? I was like, and I'm out there. I'm like, what am I doing? Why, why am I doing this? I'm like, and I'm the biggest animal lover out there. Um, and I'm just like, oh man. but it is what it is. There's some people out there that have like, um, there was a guy, I remember he didn't get picked for the show, but he was from, um, like deep in the middle of Alaska. And he'd been doing this since he was, I think like a fetus. And he was like boiling the rabbit head and eating the eyeballs. And I'm like, yeah, wow. Pass on that, but <laughs> it was it was it, it was wild, and you know I, I actually became really close with a lot of the a lot of the people, and you know that we were sort of vying for these ten spots. But after a while, you just kind of got close, and um, you know we went through a lot of the same stuff together. And you know at the end of the week, we went through this psychological testing. We're in like this hotel room in New York after like our three or four days out in the wilderness. And they put us through all this psychological testing, breathing tests. Um, I felt like um, Ivan Drago from um, Rocky Four. Like they put uh-huh. us up to like, uh-huh. these machines and stuff. I'm like, what are they? What's going on here? And even after that week, they sent us home and they didn't tell us. You know, they, we left, and I'm like, I have no idea if I'm going to make this or not. And if you don't make it, it's almost like when you apply for a job and you get that letter a week later, like, Oh, thanks. We really appreciate your effort, (laughs) but we're going to go with somebody else. But I remember a week later, um, they told us they were going to call on a Friday and let us know. I'm pretty sure that's when you fire people too, like in the real world. Right. Fridays, it's like a little bit easier to take the blow. Um, so I got, I was like staring at my phone all day at school, which I don't think you're supposed to do. And I normally don't do for the record. But this was a special day and somehow I missed the call and I was walking out to my outdoor classroom at school and I saw a missed call and a missed voicemail and I checked the thing and, and it's like, hey, Jim, this is Heather from Me Alone Show. Just just calling to, to talk. And I'm like, call him to talk. <laughs> I'm like, I can call her back immediately. So I call her back and and she's like, hey, Jim, how's it going? And I'm like. I'm fine. What, what what's going on? Did I make you know? Did I make the show? Like, well, we have some news for you. And she's like, we wanted to let you know that you were one of the ten selected to go to Patagonia, South America. And I'm like, holy, you know what? I was like, this is. I was. I think I screamed, and <laughs> my kids were walking out in front of me, like they were just heading out to the outdoor classroom. And I I don't know if I've ever had um, such a feeling of relief in in my life because. You know, I, I left out a lot of the time, but this was like a three month process of trying out, interviewing, high stress. Yeah. Um, g- going from the top 300 down to the top 100, top 50, top 20, and finally just getting picked to to go to this oppor- this rare opportunity that I honestly still didn't even know what the heck I was getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, was just this like, holy crap! Like this is a this is a life changing moment right now. Um, and then from there it got even crazier, you know, there was like a month before we shipped out and, um, you know, I started eating heavily to gain lots of weight because, mm-hmm. you know, I was planning on staying for the longest and I wanted to just live off my body fat. And I went, I went into like crazy survival mode for those like 30 days before the show. I watched, I think every single video on YouTube, read every book, wow. um, wow. my survival knowledge like grew exponentially. And, um, yeah. And then it was like, 
History Channel came to our house, did this segment, and they filmed my wife and I. And the kid, you know, the kids weren't there yet. Um, our dogs, <laughs> and um, and then and then I left for the show. And it was I still didn't know who was on the show. I still didn't know of the twenty people there who got picked. But every stop along the way, there was like five layovers. There was somebody different um, at one of the layovers. And on my way down to um, South America. I started to meet those people and it ended up being like all the people that I would sort of were hoping to make the show oh, wow. people that I'm still friends with. And pretty cool. Very cool, man. Okay. So you yeah. get down there and what, what's it like over there? <laughs> so I get down there and, um, so there's one place, like I've done a lot of traveling in my life, did a lot of adventures and stuff, but there's one place I'd never been to that I always wanted to go to and it was Patagonia. So I get down there and we're all just like, everyone's so happy that we're, we're chosen, you know, and now we can really be friends. Right. So there's 10 people and there's two alternates is somebody backs up and they put us up at this in the middle of, you know, this remote area, this like ranch. And we don't really know what's going on. We meet the producers who we kind of met already, but now they're kind of living with us and like in a different spot. But the 12 of us like stayed together. And things started getting, you know, it was exciting. And and after a couple of days, we're like, well, how long are we going to be here? And, and a couple of days turned into a week. A week turned into two weeks. Wow. And we, yeah, it was crazy. So I started getting like some pretty serious like anxiety just being down there. And the thing that I started to realize down there was that, um, and not that I didn't know this, but um, right before I left, our kids like we were we were set to have our kids move in. So having three kids, you know, now their ages are eight, 10 and 11, but you can subtract three and a half years from that. Um, back then, you know, having those three kids move in with my, with just my wife, crazy notion. Um, and you know, that really, not that I didn't have that on my mind when I chose to accept the, the job to go down there, but it started to weigh on me every day. And the days were short. There were short days <laughs> Uh, very little light and I just had a lot of time to sit in like these bunk rooms by myself and start to really think about like what am I what am I doing here when this is going on back home I didn't have any communication back home I came down here to be on a show I'm not even on the show and now we're two and a half weeks in and they're they're not really telling us when we're heading out it, it got it just got a little crazy so I started to have doubts about this um, you know even before we we technically started the show from what people will see when they watch mm. this new channel show so Whew, yeah man, it, that, that I, I have i feel yeah. a lot of tension in my chest right now just thinking about that yeah <laughs> what I, every a time pickle. i tell the story i feel this tension and it, it comes back thanks for bringing it up again Mike. yeah 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 <laughs> i mean on That's, one hand you're just like so elated and excited and, and then on the other i can definitely understand like a feeling of guilt or or something like that yeah, uh, it, it is. It was a, a feeling of guilt that um, I don't know. It's hard to describe because it's like, here I am. Um, you got the golden ticket. Like who gets to be on TV? Who gets to be on a reality show? You know, like not not many people. Right. Um, especially doing the thing that you love yes, the most yes. and a chance to really like cement your legacy, so to speak, in a sense. Um, and for many people that have done the show, it's been a. 
um, a starting point in their outdoor careers and, and so forth. So here I am like, okay, I'm ready. I can do this. I've been training for this for years in a sense. And I'm also letting potentially letting down my wife and not being there for something that is exponentially more important than, um, you know, a reality show Mm -hmm. in some ways. So, I mean, there's so many different ways to look at this and, um, yeah. So anyway, um, you know, I decided to go ahead with it. The anxiety was tremendous. Um, one night the producers came up and they said, get your stuff ready. We're leaving at first light. So again, that anxiety, that nervousness, that excitement is just like crazy. Like, let's go, let's do this. Um, the next morning they wake up, I'm sorry, we wake up and they, they drive us out into, in these cars. I remember looking, we were in this like house. It's like a fish camp somewhere down in Patagonia. And, um, it was just us. These cars were flying across this dirt road and like, you could see the dirt flying up and they had like, like three trucks. So that was them. So we get loaded in and they shoot us out into this spot and we get out of the trucks and it's super cloudy. And all we hear is like a drone above us and we're just standing around and, and the producers, they purposely don't tell you what's going to happen. Um, and this was season three. There were two seasons before. So we assume there's going to be helicopters, but there's also could be boats. Who knows what they're going to bring, you know? So we're out there for three hours and we could tell that it's too cloudy for the helicopters to come in and they're like, all right, we're changing locations. And in my head, I'm like, I can't, like, I have to get started. Like we've been out here for almost three weeks. Like I need to get dropped off and start this thing today. You know, anyway, they drive us to a new location over the mountains, through the woods. We get to this spot and all of a sudden the clouds like clear up and we get out there. The 10 of us are standing in the field. And after like a half hour, these, all you hear is this like, and, and it's this crazy sound of helicopters coming over these like jagged peaks. And, you know, not to compare this to like any kind of war story or anything like that, but I've seen like, you know, movies about Vietnam and stuff and they're standing out there and the helicopters are coming. And I mean, I get chills talking about it now and I'm like, Oh my God, those things are coming for us. Yeah. So these helicopters come flying over the mountains and they just do like flybys and they're filming and, you know, they're so low to the ground. Anyway, they start landing and they start taking us one at a time. And it was crazy because you're like saying goodbye to these people you've been with for, you know, two and a half weeks that I've gotten real close with them. And, um, you know, they're going off to who knows where. So I get in the helicopter. I was the fifth person picked. I get dropped off after about, you know, a 15 minute flight. And when the helicopter left, it was just dead silent. And, um, I was in one of the most beautiful spots you could ever imagine. Huge mountains all around. And, um, it it was a feeling of just like, holy, holy, you know what, like this is real. (laughs) And, um, you know, I, I captured that. And that's the odd thing about this show is that everything you do, if you don't capture it, it didn't happen. That's yeah. what the producers constantly told you. If you don't capture it, we don't want to hear about it. Like yeah. everything must be filmed. What so, is the yeah. very <laughs> first thing that you did? Um, <laughs> so the first thing that I did was I kind of like 
as I'm telling you and retelling you this story right now, I'm feeling that same ball of like mm-hmm. energy and like um, sort of anxiety. I set the camera up on a tripod and I just went out in front of it and I just yelled at the top of my lungs. I just went, Patagonia! Yes. And I just screamed it. I had to get it out, you know? Yes. Um, that's They put that on the show and that was like my first moment of like, like, you know, when you, they tell kids like, you know, maybe their therapist, maybe mine told me this when I was a kid. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, just to go out and scream in the woods, you know, a primordial <laughs> scream. Yeah. And it, and it does, it helps a little bit. And after I let that out, I was like, all right, take a breath. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you get 10 items to bring with you, 10 sort of like survival items to mm-hmm. choose and not including like your clothes. And, um, you know, so I went back and I was like, it was, it was already starting to get dark. It was like three o'clock and it got dark around five. So I was like, all right, you know, filming's great and all, but let's get, let's get set up so I can get to sleep here. <laughs> so I got a shelter set up really quick and, um, got a fire going and I was really happy about those things. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Sort of just went, went from there. And yeah. So I just to keep going, it's not going to take long because, um, <clears throat> the first night I was really happy um, I got my shelter set up and I started going through like Maslow's hierarchy of like, all right, I got a shelter. I'm safe. I got a fire. I'm like, yes, I can do this. Let's go. Um, you know, and I've seen shows where people can't get fire started and stuff. And all we had was a barrel rod. We didn't have like a lighter. And, yeah. And, um, the next day I got up and I'm like, let's go, man, let's go. So I started whacking down trees with my ax. I started building, I built TP. Uh, it was awesome. Like I built bed inside of there and i'm like let's let's do this and somewhere around day three um i remember being in the teepee and it was pouring rain and i just kind of i was like like i had in the morning i had this thought come in my head of like what am i doing like i can't be here i have to be at home and i'm like get that thought out of there and i'd like trained beforehand like with meditation and i had like a mantra that i would kind of like say and to get like those thoughts out of my head. Cause I knew I was going to have to like have like compartmentalize stuff. Um, so I went out and I like, I started building stuff and I started collecting some berries. And, um, but that day, that day three, man, things like it started creeping in my head, like, like, like something that I've never experienced. I couldn't make it stop. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it took over my, my brain. It took over my body mm-hmm. and I was, I can't, I can't deal with it. Um, so I just sat there for like hours, um, knowing that I could quit and just go right home and be where I'm, I thought I needed to be. But also knowing that once I sort of pressed that button, that all of those great things that I wanted from this experience are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I pressed the button and I stayed for another day and, you know, cause it took a while for them to come out. It was pretty remote to mm-hmm. about get me and stuff. And and that was that. I stayed out there for another week. It kind of like quarantined me, which I'm kind of happy for, I guess, because I had a little experience for what I'm dealing with now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was my experience, man. I spent three or four days on the show. I was the first one to quit out of the 10. Um, the The show did not air for, I, I think, like five months. Mm-hmm. So nobody had any clue how I did when I came back. Mm. I dealt with the second thing when I came back of people thinking, oh, I know you won. You won. 
I know you were the winner. Oh man. Psychologically, I'm like, no, nah, you don't understand. Like I'm the biggest loser. Like I let, I'm going to let you down so bad. Um, you know, so psychologically that was hard to deal with. Um, you know, came back about two weeks later, our kids moved in. Um, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. That whole thing happened. And about a week after that, we found this like dream house out in the woods. So all these things happened. And I was like in hiding because I couldn't like show my face. I was supposed to lay low for like two months. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom knew I was back. Um, my wife knew I was back. And um, it was just this wild experience. And it, it definitely took me a while. And then next, next thing you know, I think it was November, October. I'm sorry. I think it was November, December. There was the, um, the episode, the first episode was showing and my wife rented out this bar and like, you know, 50 of my friends. And I have no idea how they're going to show me. I know how long I lasted. And I know in previous seasons, people that quit after, you know, people, there were people that quit on the first day, two seasons. And they sometimes lasted to like the second episode. But I made it to the first episode was it was called Making the Cut. Okay. And then I, and then the second episode was the actual like first episode of the show is when I quit at the end of the show. And, and my family and friends are like, what the hell just happened? Like, what? And I, it was it's a feeling that, um, you know, I didn't feel very proud, I guess. But yeah. everyone was very cool about it, you know, and they kind of got that the reason that I felt that I needed to leave and, you know, and being a dad was probably more important than any accolades from being on a reality show. And I tend to agree with that, but I still do have regrets and I probably always will. Dude, thank you so much for your vulnerability and your honesty. I think that, Uh that, yeah, I just can't imagine how, how tough it is to share that and relive it. And, um, yeah, man, what if, what a crazy tough decision. Yeah. It's almost like, you're right. It, it, there is definitely vulnerability to just be honest, but that's been the most freeing part of this whole thing sure. is to just be truly honest. And like, um, even listening to like, uh, it's funny cause I thought a lot about vulnerability lately listening to Brene Brown. I don't mm-hmm. know if you read her stuff or yeah, listen big, to her stuff. Big, big fan. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's right, man. It's like, once you can say, Hey, I put myself out in the ring, you know, so what it didn't work out this time, but like I went in there and I gave it what I had and it just didn't work out this time. And, mm-hmm. and it's okay. Like, um, I've learned from it. There's so many positives that have come from this. And um, yeah, there's always going to be the one when people watch the show and repeat, they're always going to say, oh man, what a loser. I could do better. And trust me, I dealt with lots of that. Um, but at the same time, like I did it and I'm proud to have gone through it. And, you know, the life that I have now is special and I don't I know that it wouldn't be the same if I didn't, if I didn't make the decision that I made. So, right. Right. So, you know, I'm, we have bad days and we have good days and our thoughts about ourselves can, you know, wildly vary on your best days. What do you think of yourself having made the decision to leave and be with your wife uh, as y'all are bringing kids into the world or, 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 you know, bringing in, bringing them into your home? So, good question um on my best days i would say that i am uh, confident that i made the right decision um and that's sort of multifaceted there's a lot of things that happen from coming back 
early, I guess you can call it that. Um, you know, I was able to be there for the, you know, initial days that my kids moved in and weeks and months. And, and to think of me not being there, um, I know it's different, you know, when you have your own children, like, you know, you hear about soldiers that aren't there when they have children because they're away at war and, or something like that. And they're not there for the first few months of their kids being born and stuff. This is a little different, but at the same time, it, it's not, um, you know, I, I felt that I needed to be there for my, my wife and I feel proud of that decision. Um, I needed to be there for my wife and for my kids. Um, so I've accepted what the decision that I made on my best days, um, you know, feel pretty good about, Everything that happened, like I said, um, one of the great things that happened, um, which maybe seems shallow or, um, I don't know, what, we, we found our dream house, which even if I came back like a week later, just wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. Sure, there's other homes out there and stuff, but this is just a unique situation that we're in. And um, so, yeah, on my best days, I'm okay with it. I'm good. I don't, um, I don't have, for a while, I did have like a dark place that I could go to and, and have these regrets and stuff. Uh, but on good days, which I have a lot of those, uh, that is not something that, um, enters my mind. Yeah, man. I'm so, I'm so moved by this story. <laughs> I really am. I feel like there are, there aren't, there aren't, uh, as many honorable decisions to make anymore. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, but I just, when I, th when I hear the word honor, I think of like ancient times when, you know, men are at war and yeah. there, there aren't that many decisions like this anymore. And you certainly weren't at war, but there were, like, it was such a hard decision, right? Two things that you really deeply wanted. And from my perspective, I think you acted with such integrity and honor and you should be so proud of yourself. Thanks, Mike. Um, I appreciate that. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. I do. Um, I absolutely do, you know, but there's, there's the part of me that will always say like, well, what if I just put that stuff aside a little more? And what if I just sucked it up and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, stayed out there? Would I have been, would my kids have, you know, respected me more? Would my wife respected me more? Would I respect myself more? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know. I, unfortunately, um, you know, I'll never know. And I've come to grips with my decision and, um, with making that, with making that decision. And, and, and I appreciate that. I do feel that, but there's always that, that negativity that can creep in and I, and I get a little upset with myself. You know, sometimes it's when I'm on a hike in the woods or maybe on a camping trip, I'll just think like, what did I do? Like, why did I, why did I leave? And then I'm like, oh yeah, that's why. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that brother. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's uh, my pleasure. So now you have, three young kids. Um, and now we're in <laughs> all in isolation. So I'm sure there have been a lot of challenges lately, but what, what is really giving you strength right now? How are you making it through with strength? Um, so I'm in a fortunate situation. Um, you know, I alluded to this earlier. We have this really cool house that 
sort of backs up to unlimited, you know, wilderness. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. Creek and all this stuff. Um, right before this thing hit, I built my kids this pretty large tree house. Um, and the reason I say I'm fortunate is because I have my family here, my dogs, my kids, my wife. My wife and I really didn't take much of a hit, like salary wise, with this whole thing. Um, and I know a lot of I have a lot of friends in like private business with gyms and you know businesses that are that are struggling and scared and and from that side of it we've been okay. So I've been able to really just um, you know try to just help my students at school and try to mentor them and, and I don't I, almost like less of a teacher in the subject and more of just a mentor to try to. Um, get them through this time because a lot of them are experiencing a lot of that negative stuff. And I've really been trying to take advantage of this time. Like I, I've been thinking like if I, if I don't come out of this situation, a better person with more skills than when it started, like in a sense, I'm kind of like wasting my time. Mm. So that, that's the approach that I've taken. I started a YouTube channel. I got my kids involved in it. I've been going out making videos. Um, Basically, everything I do in my survival class, I'm putting on my YouTube channel so that, um, you know, when kids are absent in the future in school or if they would like to go watch it again to see how to build this shelter or set up this trap, it's all going to be there. And it's something I always wanted to do but never had the time to do. And now I have the time. To do it. And, you know, I've made my kids a part of that. And it's just been a I've really I've really enjoyed this time to spend with them and to spend with my wife and it's been okay. It's been, it's been a pretty actual, um, a good experience for, for myself. Yeah. I I feel that man, that really resonates with me as well. Um, for people that are interested, what's your, what's your YouTube channel called? Uh, my YouTube channel is called the climbing. It's climbing bushcrafter. Um, climbing so bushcrafter. Nice. Climbing bushcrafter. Yeah. I have an Instagram, same thing and a YouTube channel. So it's, it's been fun. I mean, I've been putting up a bunch, like I said, having fun making videos and, um, and getting into that world a little bit. It's a good time. That's and awesome. it's funny. It's funny. Like I, I miss the whole Instagram and, uh, YouTube thing. Like when I went on to the alone show, a lot of the contestants already had those set up yeah. and as soon as they went on, their accounts exploded and just, you know, thousands and thousands of followers. For sure. And after the show, like a year after, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll try that. And then obviously, <laughs> like, it's all over and nobody cares anymore. Yeah. But it's interesting how that, how that whole thing kind of yeah, works. It's funny, an interesting man. world. I like the social media world, like seeing how people strategize and, and do their different things with podcasts and um, getting followers and advertising. It's an interesting world. It, it sure is. And it's, it's becoming like an infinite universe. Like it's, you could not possibly consume all of the content that is available online right now. No, it's, it's, it's not possible. And it, and it's, it's just interesting just to see like a, a few of my friends that have become like, um, sponsors for different products and mm-hmm. like how that all transpires and like what companies look for and, you know, at, paying you to be, um, what do they call them? Um, like uh, an influencer or something. And, yeah. The influencer mm-hmm. or whatever ambassador. That's what right. It's right. So, it's interesting. So but it's cool. So t- t- tell us a little bit about your, uh, what you teach in school. So I, I think you're teaching leadership and wilderness survival. 
Um, what, what are the conversations that you've been having with your students recently? So the conversations that I've been having with my students recently, unfortunately, are not nearly as interesting or deep as the conversations that I have with them in school. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the biggest part of the biggest part of our job. Well, my job is, is really to, um, you know, help them become young leaders and help them sort of harness their energies in a positive way and, and teach them techniques and teach them different sort of paths to follow and models to follow so that they can, um, in whatever they decide to do, they can sort of harness these, these pillars of leadership and, and put them to good use. But since then, it, it's hard because so many kids, like half of the kids I talk to are juniors and seniors and they're working and they're not really, they're not just sitting around like waiting to have conversations. You know, they're half of them are seniors. They're ready to go to college. They don't even know if college is going to be real in the fall, if it's going to be online or right. what's going to, you know, they're stressed out about not having a prom, not having graduation the right way. Um, you know, having some sort of online graduation, all these like benchmarks that they're missing, they're really upset about. And, and I think it's taken an emotional toll on, on them. So, you know, 50% of what I do is wilderness survival and bushcraft and a little bit of mountaineering. And the other 50% is uh, teaching a leadership class at the high school. So it's been hard. It's been a struggle. I just, like I said, it's, I've been giving assignments and, you know, it, it's, it's hard being a teacher at this time because you have to be lenient knowing that a lot of them, their parents are losing their jobs and they have to work and they're just not motivated um, you know, to learn how to build a shelter right now yeah. in their backyard or in their, you know, they <laughs> have a backyard, you know, it's like, so it's, I try to take that all into consideration and, and, you know, come up with assignments for them that, that aren't going to take away all their time and, and just try to talk to them really and, and be there for them and, and just be, just be a mentor. Like I always try to be, but I guess in a different way right now, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's hard. I don't know. I, I mean, you know, you guys do it all the time as being online coaches and that, but this is a world that is kind of like, um, new to us, especially when I'm used to, um, being in close proximity with my students every day and sitting in a circle and, you know, really getting into some of the different things that we're getting into. Now it's just the distance between us is, um, it's taken its toll. For sure. Sure. Yeah. What I've, what I've been realizing is that, what people want and need right now is so much different than what they wanted and needed from us um, when they may have signed up, right? Like people signed up months ago, many of them to get in the best shape of their lives, right? They wanted to get shredded or they wanted to um, meet some pretty substantial body composition goals. Right yeah. now, people want to have something to control. They want some accountability. They also, a lot of people just really need a space to connect with someone, to connect okay. with like a, an unbiased third party. Um, you know, that's why I think Zoom, I'm sure you know the, the course, yeah. Zoom software, that it grew, let's see, 220. I mean, <laughs> math is hard right now. Yeah. It exploded. It absolutely exploded. I think it like 10x within the, within a month. 
And part of that is because businesses are going online. Part of it is because people are just trying their best to stay connected to others. And so I think if we've done anything well, it's been to pivot um, just the way that we communicate with people. And, and we're not we're not only talking to them about you know, macros and the quality of their food, but also just how's their day going? And is there anything that we could do to make it better? And um, how's their family doing? And all of that kind of stuff. People are really yearning for human connection right now. Absolutely. And that's not to be undervalued. I mean, it's, I'm seeing it in a lot of folks that I'm, that I've been talking to. And it, it's, it's strange here in Pennsylvania. It's like, I, I'm sure if you watch some news or at least read some news and seems like as it's starting to get warmer and we're starting to hear conflicting things from all different sides, people are starting to like just it it seems like we're heading back to normal soon. I don't know that that's true mm-hmm. um, but I hear what you're saying about that. I think people are definitely yearning for connection and and I've definitely gotten that from my students they they miss us they Never heard of, you know, students really talk about missing teachers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but now, you know, you can really read between in between the lines, I guess, and talking to a lot of students. They definitely, they miss what they had. You know, they had something special and we have a great high school and, and um, you know, that's, that's been taken away. They've been stuck in their bedrooms for two months now, and, yeah. you know, with their brothers and sisters and pets and stuff. And, and you're right. I mean, they are sort of yearning for that, that human connection. And it's interesting. I, I do think about what, what you guys, what you folks are doing at WAG. It's, it's tremendous. It's awesome. And, and how you're able to probably fill that um, need for a lot of folks. But I also, I didn't really think of it that way and how it probably has shifted for you guys as well. Yeah, it certainly has. And thank you for saying that, Jim. Yeah. So as we close, um, if you could impart one lesson on every one of our listeners, one, one piece of wisdom that you really embody, what would that be? Um, I have to think about that for a second, but it's odd. (laughs) It's odd to, to not, to talk to you for the last half hour and not at least say thank you guys for completely changing my life and my wife's life, um, for the better. Mm. Uh, yeah, just everything that, everything that we've done from the start about a year ago, um, we've tried everything and, and this was the only thing that's worked. We stick to it. It's it's changed our whole routine. I know you hear that all the time, but it's crazy to talk to you for a half hour or so and not even mention that. Dude, thank uh, you so much for saying that. This yeah, yeah this has made my day. Thank yeah, you. It's you you've made our our whole life. So thank you for that. And can you ask that question one more time? Absolutely. I, I, yeah. So if you could if you could impart one lesson on every one of our listeners, a, a piece of wisdom, what would it be? Um, let me think about that for a second, Mike. Um, I would say I'm going to go back to two things that we talk about in our leadership program quite a bit. Um, I would say try to approach, there's a lot of negativity going around right now. Um, and one of the things that we teach our students is to, use the yes and approach. And it's something that's used a lot in improv and improv comedy, but it's any situation that sort of comes at you, you can always handle it in a positive way. Um, Instead of shutting it down, um, it's called the yes and approach. So basically 
um, without getting too much into what yes and means, it's um, handling things with sort of positivity and not shutting things down and, and trying to keep things going. And the other thing is um, another sort of pillar of our leadership. We talk about going big. And going big is something like, yeah, maybe you're going to write a book or start a nutrition company. But, you know, going big for yourself, going big for others, you know, look at the folks out there that are making masks um, and nobody's mm-hmm. asked them to. And they're not mm-hmm. selling. They're dropping them off at hospitals. The people that are, you know, going out in harm's way and doing some of that stuff. So, yes, and go, you know, be a positive influence on as many people as you can. Fight the negativity and and also go big and and do what you can right now to help out your neighbors, to help out um, the folks around us and try to come out of this thing, you know, with a more positive vibe. And, um, you know, this thing will end soon and at, at some point. And, you know, we're going to have to get back to normal. So <clears throat> those are the two pieces of advice that I would give. Yes, and and go big. Amen, brother. Those are great. So tell tell us your YouTube channel one more time. And if you made it onto Instagram, let us know your handle. Yes, I am on YouTube at Climbing Bushcrafter and also at Instagram at Climbing Bushcrafter. So I spend some time there each week putting some cool stuff up. And uh, yeah, that's that. Man, I was I was so looking forward to this and it surpassed my expectations so much. You were just a joy to talk to, Jim. Thank you so much <laughs> for your honesty, your openness, um, and just what, what you're up to in the world. Thank you, brother. Thanks, Mike. And my wife is really going to enjoy that part where you said I was a joy to talk to. <laughs> Thank oh, you, man. Yeah. And, well, and thanks, yeah ahead. thanks again for everything you've done for us. Really. We of appreciate course, it. man. All right, brother. Have a great day. Have a good one. Take care.